Hey there, and welcome back to Season 1, Episode 30 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity and insight in life and mission. My name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Susie Larson, who's an author, who's a communicator, um, a speaker, um, a radio talk show host, and uh, just insightful. She's written many books. The one book that I, I dove into for this podcast was Fully Alive, Learning to Flourish, Mind, Body, in spirit. And uh, man, she really challenged me. Um, just the way I thinking, I think the my thought patterns um, and uh, struggles that we might have. She's very open and honest and transparent of some challenges she went through as a young child. And then um, it's challenges later on in life struggling with a chronic um, sickness. She'll talk about Lyme's disease and um, certain neurological problems she's had. And um, it just very interesting to see how God has spoken to her in different seasons of her life and then how she's applied those and been willing to take what she's learned and to put it in print and to be able to willing to share it to others. And then she also is very candid about a comment that somebody made to her one time and um, how that was hurtful and how she had to turn turn that over to God and to trust in him. And um, yeah, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. And she's a dynamic uh, communicator and you can feel her tenacity and her her, her desire and vigorousness in life and um, just uh, very insightful and uh, appreciated her wisdom and insight um, in this in this interview. Just want to mention also, continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth, with Dick Foth as Dick answers your questions. And um, on, on the growth capacities that are listed in the show notes, you can send those in and then we curate those and then we Dick will sit down and answer one or two of those before we jump into the interview. So if you hear that, we'll answer one or two questions, then jump into the main interview of the podcast, but um, just appreciate Dick and his willingness to do that for us, and uh, man, really love spending time and learning from Dick. So do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, agwmafrica.org, for an increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa. 50 countries, 257 training centers, 404 missionaries, 79,106 indigenous churches. Discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org. O-R-G. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have a friend, um, new friend for me today, um, Susie Larson. I was able to read her book um, and man, I really grew in the process and uh, was challenged by it and um, was so excited and been looking forward today to be able to sit down and have a transparent conversation with her. Susie, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience for maybe some of the people that um, don't know you very well? Well, first of all, Aaron, thanks for all you do for the kingdom, and it's a great honor to serve with you and to connect with you, and I love that I got a brother from the other side of the world, so great to be with you today. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I... um, My story is quite a journey, as everybody is, I guess. But um, I started up in a family of seven kids. I was number five of seven in a a denomination where I knew God was real, but I didn't know Jesus was Mm. accessible. And I really did sense God's presence as a child, but I just didn't know the gospel. I didn't know what salvation meant. But I was a a people pleaser and a rule follower. And um, when I was about nine years old, um, some boys from our neighborhood some teenage boys that were into some bad things uh, assaulted me and mm-hmm. uh, it 
obviously deeply profoundly impacted me and i didn't tell anybody about it because i didn't know whose fault it was and i was just mm. so confused about it but from then i stopped sleeping at night i started to have a lot of fear i would curl up in a ball at night and just beg god to protect me and then when i was about 10 years old i was just a small thing you know probably four feet tall and yeah. um walking home from school and i was jumped by a different group of boys and beat up wow. real bad and uh I remember from that point, I mean, they were kicking me, pulling fistfuls of hair, punching my hmm. face and laughing while they were doing it. Um, when they finished with me and I got up and I had snarled hair and bruised ribs, I remember hearing the voice in my ear from the enemy, um, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And at that hmm. moment, Aaron, I knew God was real and I knew the devil was real. And the wow. spirit of fear really did impact my soul. And I often say when I'm speaking to crowds that, you know, the devil's threat to you is very connected to your threat to him. And he mm. sees your potential long before you ever do. Yeah. And so all you have to do is look at how he goes after you as a child. And you can oftentimes get a glimpse of what God's uh, call on your life is. So wow. um, that began a lifetime of incredible insecurity and fear, to be honest mm. with you. I came to Christ in about eighth grade and kind of had to be a covert Christian for a while because of my particular denomination. And uh, so I was, to be honest, I was sneaking to Bible studies and lying about it. And that's for another show. <laughs> I just was like desperate for the word of God. So I told my mom I was going to the library and, you know, eventually I had to come clean. But long story short, you jump ahead and it's a young woman. I married my husband who was raised in a Christian evangelical home. And, um, we went right into crisis. You know, I had bed rest with pregnancies and, uh, during one of those pregnancies, I was on bed rest for six months and hmm. um, with a one and a three-year-old. And uh, one of those children were strong-willed. So I had friends going, hey, I watched Jake and good luck with Luke. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, if you think about it, I came into Christianity. I, you know, when I came to Christ, I knew I was saved. I just didn't know that I was loved. And hmm. I think that is the case for a lot of Christians. I think a lot of Christians who maybe even passed for mature Christians who are serving maybe out of the wrong motivation, trying to earn points to prove their worth, to validate their existence. Yeah. And so for me, that's what I was doing. I just became a super Christian. I went from being kind of a overachiever in high school, trying to, you know, make up for the lost cause I believed myself to be. I had these deep, dark secrets in my soul. And that's just another thing I'll just say is when you don't know who you are, you really will misuse your time, treasure, and talents to prove something that Jesus has already proven. And you know, that's mm -hmm. what I was doing as, as a gymnast and sang in the choir and tried to overperform and help my teachers all the time. But it was coming out of a place of absolute and utter insecurity. So I just transferred that into the kingdom, the Christian world, where I was serving on all kinds of com you know committees and super Christian as a young woman. Yeah. And then I was put to bed on this bed rest and it confronted every insecurity. It was like the the you know the ground was leveled and I see these cracks in my foundations. And it was horrifying for me because I I, everybody was getting tired on my behalf. I mean, people were bringing meals, watching our kids, and I was running out of favors. And just the fatigue in their eye confronted the desperate insecurity in me. And it felt like in that place that God lost my address, to be honest with you, because he just, the heavens seemed silent and I had no idea what was going on. And probably three months into the second bed rest with, the, with my, my third son, my docs let me get up and just sort of test the waters. I hadn't contracted for a couple of days and uh, met some girlfriends from college. We went for a walk, but by nighttime I was contracting again. So I was back in bed and two weeks from that outing, my face started to go numb and my memory started to go. And I mean, I'm like late twenties at this point. Hmm. Um, long story short, a year later, I find out that that one day up, I was unknowingly bit by the deer tick and contracted Lyme disease. 
And uh, once again, it rattles in my ear. I can get to you anytime, anywhere. And God wow. will never stop me. And so that was, that was kind of the reckoning. And as a young woman, then I was just ravaged by Lyme disease. So as I say, the journey has not been an easy one. And, um, wow. but, but God has been so faithful. And it's like through my wrestling, through the suffering, through the hardships, as anybody would say, I suppose, is where you find the promises of God. And he did, there were some just really critical moments in my journey where he confronted me and said, are you a believer because you've secured your eternity? Or are you a believer because you actually believe this stuff? Like, when are you going to wow. shift your weight to the promises of God? Yeah. And, you know, Aaron, I didn't have any formal training. I wasn't raised with Bible studies and youth groups. I didn't have any of that context. So I really was. The word of God, the Holy Spirit, suffering, and the battle between evil and, and God's spirit, where I'd started to learn to stand and learn what's true and learn how to, to refute what was untrue. So that's wow. kind of my backstory. Wow. That's an amazing story. Amazing story of God's grace and your perseverance. Because um, it's a... Uh, it's, it's, uh... Man, that's a story. You know, I would like to jump into your book, um, Fully Alive, Learning to Flourish, Mind, Body, and Spirit. And I think that as you share your story, you've had to, there's a lot of wisdom and experience and insight, I think, that we can gain from you today. And what, as I was reading your book, one of the first things that jumped out to me that, you know, I've honestly, it's rattled in my mind for the last few days. You wrote that the, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. Can you unpack that just a little bit more for me as, and help me understand it a little bit better? Because like I said, it's really resonated with me. Yeah, it, you know, it's resonated with me too. <laughs> it came <laughs> right, right from the Lord, I'm telling you. I mean, it's like I, when he downloaded that in my heart. So, you know, in the early years, I struggled for a number of years terribly. And then for about 20 years, because I, I worked in the fitness world and I am a little bit feisty when it comes to fighting for my life and uh, <laughs> because I have things to do and I'm not going to take this thing laying down, you know? Yeah. So I probably would, I would say I, I've enjoyed decent health in the last 20 years with chronic Ill, illness issues, but I mm -hmm. find workarounds, I find ways to navigate because I have stuff I want to do. Yeah. And about five years ago, after just a series of some family crises that just took me to the mat. I mean, it broke my heart. Some just hard, hard, painful things. The, some of the numbing and everything started to really flare. And I would say a couple times a year, I'd have these Lyme flares where I'd have to go to bed for a couple of days and whatever. It was starting to come and it wasn't receding and it was getting worse. And one day in my bathroom, I was getting ready. I'm a radio host, a talk radio host and I'd go to the radio station. And so I'm getting ready and just getting my head in the game, getting ready to do my show. And my arms started to go numb. My neck started to go numb, my face and head. And then I just got this like bone crushing headache, like someone was turning a vice on my head. And then my vision started to kind of blur and room started to spin. And I'm like, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my fifties now, Aaron. And I'm like, I'm begging you, God, don't make me go around this mountain again. I mean, yeah. I, I can't at this stage of life fight that battle that I fought, although I, yeah. I'm begging the Lord. And, and when I was sick as a young woman, it felt like the enemy had me by the face because that's where a lot of my numbing was in my face and I had memory loss. And I was so young in my faith that when he, I felt like he had me by the face, where's your God now? Mm -hmm. I didn't have an answer for him because I really didn't know. I didn't understand that I was in training back then. Well, this time my face was numb and my neck was numb and I couldn't swallow and my arms were numb. And I felt like this was it. He was going to take me out. And I'm like, I'm begging you, God. In the bathroom, it felt like a spiritual chaotic battle over my head and the lord whispered that storms revealed the lies we believe and the truths we need and i'm like what is the lie that i believe lord and then i heard it in my ear i can get to you anytime anywhere and god will never stop me and the lord came back with such thunder in my spirit he said susie he said it is not true you have believed that subconsciously 
your whole life. And it is not true that he can get to you anytime, anywhere. Hmm. I have had him on a short leash. You can't even know what I prevented in your life. Hmm. You don't even know how I provided in your life. And this is one of those times that I'm not gonna let you lose, but I have to let you fight. We don't try to outrun lies. We turn around and we face them. Hmm. And this is your D-Day battle. Wow. And it began a massive health relapse for me that fully alive came out of. But, you know, it was interesting because I'm a woman of the word. I love God's word. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a fitness minded person mm -hmm. and I've battled chronically with health issues. Well, mm -hmm. this was kind of the merging of those three worlds, because that is where I learned that when God allows a storm, it's because there are truths embedded in our soul. The enemy is on a short leash and there's nothing God will let us go through that he will waste on us. He doesn't waste our time. He doesn't waste our storms. So he was after something in me and I needed to go after it and take a look at it. And one of the big things that I learned in this is what happens in the soul happens in ourselves. And so this book is all about that internal healing process that I think we need to revisit on a regular basis because yeah. my friend once said, a life has a way of lifing you, you know? <laughs> and, and don't you think that's true? And when, when, we, when we come through stuff, we've got to look at what's it done to our soul because I think so many people, Aaron, shove things down into the basement of their soul. I'll deal with it later. And then they get busy doing their Christian stuff as if that's what God wants from them. Yeah. But he restores the soul. He repairs yeah. the soul. And I have done deep study. I've interviewed doctors, brain scientists. I've done my homework. And they even, you know, Christian scientists especially would say this, but even secular ones have said, this is absolutely true. What happens in the soul happens in the cell. So if you don't deal with what's going on in your soul, hmm. it'll push out into your physiology and get your attention another way. Wow. Wow. That's a, and that's, that was another amazing insight. You know, I had never processed it that way, but man, it really resonates. And you see that you, I think you reference in the, the bot, what is it? The, the body keeps the score or something. I think that was the book you referenced in your book also. And he talks about that. If not dealing with those, those things in our lives, um, how they will eventually play out. One of the other, I could, go. could I just jump in about yeah, that book? Sure. Body keeps score. I didn't get to read all of it, but I read portions of it. And that's a, it's a general market or a secular book with some incredible insights. But one, especially with the work that you do and the work that you're going to with you and your wife, um, he said something about when the body experiences trauma, the nervous system experiences the world through a different filter. And the body is trying constantly to suppress inner chaos where somebody else hmm. is showing up in life. And then, you know, there's noticing the butterflies, feeling the warmth of the sun and trying, and they're engaging as a normal person would, but yeah. a person with any kind of trauma is trying to suppress the inner chaos and trying to show up in the same way, but they're yeah. not. Yeah. And what's the good news is, I mean, he doesn't offer the good news because, you know, not in there, but it's in the word that yeah. Jesus really did come to restore the soul and he can yeah. heal you from the trauma you've endured. And that's just such an important word, I think, for those who, who suffer. Yeah. Before we move on, that the idea of what happens in our souls, it happens in ourselves. Um, what advice or wisdom would you give somebody when, when you shared that, that resonated in their heart when you, and they, they feel like, well, I've let this go so long. Could you just speak some words of hope and encouragement and wisdom for somebody that maybe that's the place where they're at today? They've not dealt with what was going on in their soul. Now they're suffering physically and they don't even know where to begin. Well, it's a great question. And I wish I could wrap you up in a hug and just embrace you and pray for you because I know that sense so well. And I have such deep, deep compassion for those who suffered long because I just know it, you know, I know yeah. that journey. Um, but what I've learned is that we have a gentle shepherd and a loving protective father, and he won't unearth something that will kill you. And I feel like the enemy constantly 
swallow you whole. If you open this up, it will expose you. It'll disrupt so-and-so's life or whatever. But if you could just trust that the Father knows how to extract that from your soul without destroying you, and he'll do it one step at a time. You don't have to look at it all at once. You just open your hands and say, Lord, what do I look at today? What do you want to heal today? What steps can I take towards healing today? And I think um, we all can tend to bend towards um, settling in our circumstances because it just seems easier, but it's not easier and it's not better. Life is hard. So let's do a good hard and move towards freedom. You know, I mean, let's engage in a way that actually moves us forward. So I'm just asking, I dare you to sit up, lean in and say, what today, Lord? What in me do you want to go after? What do you want to heal? And how do I cooperate with that process? And one of the themes throughout the whole book is we're going to pursue healing and we're going to pray for a miracle. We're going to do what we can do. And then we're going to ask God to do what only he can do. Your tenacity. If we could just, if we could just bottle your tenacity. I think we would be. <laughs> I think that's probably that's probably some of it too. And uh, man, it's 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 contagious. So, moving on. One of the other quotes you had in the book um, was, "Staying with our negative experience past the point that's useful is like running laps in hell." Um, that you quoted another author, but can you share your wisdom and why you chose to include that in the book? And why do you think we, we choose to stay in our negative experiences and not have the tenacity that you just shared to, 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 to leave it when, when it's past the point that it's, it's not benefiting us or it's not helping us flourish mind, body, and spirit? Okay, I appreciate you asking that, Erin, and that is from another secular book. I don't read a ton of secular books, but I, when I was doing my homework around this, I wanted yeah. to understand the science part of it, and there are um, plenty of Christian science, and I've quoted them as well. I've got some right. uh, friends who've helped me with that, but this book is called Hardwired for Happiness, and once again, it's a book I've not read the whole, but I've read some excerpts, but it just confirms what they're saying across the board as far as the neural pathways that we form in our brain. And, you know, I appreciate you talking about my tenacity. I am, I am a little feisty when I, my hubby would say a lot, but, um, but I, I, this has not been a clean, you know, straight line A to B for me. It's been messy. It's been hard because I had th rogue thoughts that would go into the mm. ditch. So we, I bent towards fear way mm. more than I bent towards faith. So this is, this is hard fought wisdom for me, but yeah. this is what I've learned is that we all have a pattern of thoughts, a pattern of thinking, every person does. And if you don't know what your pattern is, ask those who are closest to you. But whatever your, your body is wired in such a way that it accommodates your most consistent thoughts. So let's say you're a person who exercises, your body becomes very efficient at burning fat, at recovery, at accessing oxygen, at mm -hmm. cleaning out the lymph system. If you're a couch potato, your body becomes very good at accommodating that and making it harder and harder to do anything different because God has wired our body is like a brilliant machine to respond to our most consistent choices. Well, the same is true in the brain. We have a consistent thought pattern. And what happens if you can picture um, like a, a path, let's picture a cornfield and someone rides a bike through the cornfield. You might not notice a path, but if they keep doing that and then they come back with a four-wheeler and then they come back with a truck and then they come back with a semi and they blaze this trail, that's exactly what happens in your brain. So if you have repetitive thoughts of berating yourself, of insecurity, of fear, of inferiority, or or a victim mentality where you're constantly so self-obsessed over how everything impacts you, your brain will help you go to that place over and over again. And it starts as a small path. And eventually, if you stick with it, it becomes a four-lane superhighway. And what happens, Aaron, is you become very triggerable. So if you watch that path getting wider and getting faster, it takes less and less to hop onto that path because your brain, there's this uh, element in your brain, it's the RAS, and I think it's called the reticular activation 
um, syndrome, and uh, no, I can't remember what the S is, but anyway, there's this capacity in your brain where whatever you're thinking about, it's looking and scanning your environment constantly for evidence to back up what you believe, even if it's a lie. Wow. So let's say you're walking into a room and you're constantly thinking, nobody likes me. I'm not worth anything. Your brain is scanning, scanning, looking. And that's why people who are highly offendable will always find cause to be offended, even if it was never intended to be so. Wow. So for me, my most consistent thoughts were towards fear. So when, and neurological diseases are nothing to trifle with. They're so scary and they if you for me what happened with my relapse was actually we thought it was a Lyme relapse it was mold toxicity that attacked my brain and hmm. it was no joke and it was bad and it was scary so fear just went to a whole new place and I have uh, had two doctors an MD and a functional med both are Christian doctors and both of them said to me Susie your body is so inflamed right now. We're doing what we can to bring the inflammation down, but you you got to deal with your fear because they said when you have fear and you allow fear, you're opening the door in your body to a cascade of inflammatory response. Wow. And this is true for everybody. Anybody who allows fear, your body goes into inflammation, inflammatory mode. And how does sickness and disease grow is an in inflammation. So even in this global pandemic, yes. the enemy is totally, totally working out fear. He can't get you to fear the virus will make you sick from the fear. If he can't get you sick from the virus, it'll make you sick from the fear of the virus, right? And so for me, when I just did some studying on the impact of fear on my physiology and the way the brain works, I decided to put a road close sign on fear. And I thought, even when everything is going awry in my body, I'm practicing a zero tolerance on fear. And I had a visual, road close, I'm not going down that path. Because hmm. I learned it takes about 40 days for your brain to fire a new neural pathway. So it's not enough to not, to, to not think a bad thought you got to think a thought that's true from scripture, right? Wow. So I, every time I wanted to go towards fear, I said, God is good. His promises are true and he will make a way for me. And I pictured that neural pathway being formed. And what's amazing is when you stop using a particular neural pathway, your brain eventually deletes it going, oh, she's not taking this path anymore. I guess we don't need it. Hmm. And what happened for me right in the middle of a terrible relapse, scary symptoms as I went after just a redeemed and renewed thought life, when the symptoms would come, I would instinctively go to God's faithfulness because I trained my brain to go there, yeah. but then my spirit was renewed in it as well. So what Rick is, the science guy is saying is that we have a bent to linger towards um, bad memories. He said, it's like doing laps in hell because it's just devastating to your body. But he further said to stay with a positive memory longer than it seems natural will actually kind of renews your whole system. And he's hmm. saying something about science, but scripture already said yeah. that. Yeah. So, I mean, if we could just slow down, Aaron, even in the midst of a global pandemic and go, Lord, you paint a new sky every single day and listen to the laughter of a child. If you've got food on your table, oh Lord, you've provided. We've got to slow down. We've We've got to be present with ones we love and the blessings we enjoy. We can't possibly know what that does to our spirits, to our mind, to our physiology. And it's all in scripture, but it's just yeah. to me so fascinating when you see it backed up in science. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's, it is fascinating. And obviously as somebody who works in the medical field, it fascinates me. And just that idea you, you shared about how fear, um, increases that the cortisol levels and inflammation levels. It, it is true. And, um, it is amazing. Um, the heyday the enemy can have in our hearts and our minds and our and our souls when uh, when we allow fear fear to take over. One of the other things you you shared in your book um, that was I really have thought that a lot of thought about too was the opposite of resilient is not weakness, but learned helplessness. 
I had never heard it phrased that way. And it's, it's fascinating to me. The opposite of resilience is not weakness, but it's learned helplessness. Could you just un- go a little bit deeper on that and how God revealed that, that, that nugget, of will, nugget of wisdom to you um, in, in, your, in, in the book and in your life? Thank you. Well, that was a quote from Jan Silvius. She was a guest on my show. And I want to say, what is the title of her book? Courage for the Unknown Season. That's the name of her book. And that is a quote from her book. And uh, it was something God was working on in me anyway. But the idea of, um, because weakness, you know, we're going to have moments of weakness. And scripture says, let the weak say, I am strong. And your power is perfected in weakness. I used to despise my weakness because, you know, I had passion and vision, but my physical body just would not cooperate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one, of my doctors, one of my doctors says, your, your brain and your will are much stronger than your body. And somehow we got to let these two <laughs> uh, But, um, but I, I, you know, one of the things, as you can tell by listening to me, you know, I, my doctors even commented, they said, you're so disciplined and focused because I, I want to live and I have things yeah. I want to do. And both of them said, you would be deathly sick if not for the fight in you. If you wouldn't be so mm. disciplined with the diet, with the meds you're doing, with all of your, what you're doing, and they, um, they said you'd be deathly sick. And, um, but there was a point in it all where the Lord kept bringing me back to that passage in, uh, in the gospel of John, where the man was stuck on the mat for 38 years. And yeah. Um, so here's, here I am despising my weakness going, father, I'm going to say that I'm strong in you, but I I don't know what else to do. And then Hmm. he brings me back to this guy on the mat and Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? And he's, his first four words are, I can't, sir. And Lord brought me back again and again and again. And I'm like, I don't get it. I mean, I don't know why you're bringing me back here. It sort of hurts my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) I really do want to get well. That's my doctors. They would tell you. And, but Lord was just quiet about it. I'm like, obviously there's something I'm not seeing if you keep bringing me back here. So show me, is there something in me that there is something in me that I'm settling in that I don't see? And I would say, um, a couple of weeks later, I had a speaking event, but I'm right in the middle of this stuff. And, um, Right back before I was about to step out from backstage, I had an inflammatory surge. And when it would happen, my brain would stop. Like I couldn't form sentences because I had all this inflammation in my brain mm. and dizziness and numbing. And and it, it, it I was so bad. And I'm hanging on to this, whatever it was I was hanging on to, trying to get myself steady. Going, oh, Lord, not now, not now. I can't do this while I feel like this. And I'm trying to get my wits about me. And the host grabs me before I step out. She goes, oh, oh, before you go out there. She goes, make sure that you tell them that you struggle with your health. Otherwise, they're just going to hate you when they get a look at you because you're such a cute little thing. And I paused and I remembered. It was like, it was a, it was a light bulb moment. I've heard that a thousand times. I'd hate you if you didn't struggle so much. And everybody says it in jest. And, uh, but I've been shredded by a few mean girl Christian women many years ago when my book hmm. Uncommon Woman came out of that just because my identity was so tied to people's opinions and coming through that was hmm. one of the worst things of my life. So when women would jokingly say that, I didn't realize, but that's one of those things I shoved down into my basement. Hmm. And I consciously, I just don't want people to hate me. And so it was like backstage in that moment, the Lord broke his silence. And so, uh, do you trust me? If I, if I heal you, can you trust me with the opinions of, hmm. of some, some women who yeah. would love to judge and pick you apart? And it was like a speed bump for me. So I've been saying the right things, praying the right things, doing the right things, eating the right things, going to bed on time, drinking my water. But I had an embedded thing in my soul where I would, that scared me. Yeah. That thought of, 
if you heal me, I'm going to be another target again for wow. women who like to pick women apart. And, and the Lord whispered, you know, not all women are that petty. And the ones who are need healing too. Will yeah. you trust me? Yeah. And it took faith for me, Aaron. That's like, it was like, wow, this is a thing for me. And probably like a week later or so, I was praying and I pray every day for human trafficking victims and we're involved in helping to, you know, trying to put a stop to that. And um, I was just interceding, God, bring your fist down on these traffickers, set these captives free, heal their souls. And, and the phrase blessing guilt passed through my mind. Hmm. And I'm like, blessing guilt. And he said, can you handle it? If I heal you, and I could, he just never finished. I said, no. So I, I had a big fat no. And I know theologically in my head, what he does for one doesn't diminish his ability to do for another. He's an yeah. inexhaustible God. But I think I'm so immersed in the injustice of what, mm. of that whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, so I struggle. I have a life. I have a roof over my head. I have a good life. I have symptoms, but I have down days, whatever, compared to the hell that yeah. these men, women, and children all live in. And it was like, I had a big fat, no, no, I can't deal with it. Yeah. And it, so it was in there and yeah. I had to wrestle through that. So I knew in my head, but I had to know in my heart, Lord, you're good. And, yeah. and you have your purposes for all of us. And I say all that to say, I believe there are hindrances in all of us to our healing and hindrances in our soul places. Hmm. We've settled either self-limiting beliefs, God-limiting beliefs, or we've made an accusation against God that we don't even realize as if we know better than him. <laughs> and all of those things get in the way, I think, of our flourishing. Yeah. But, you know, he wants us to flourish so we can help others flourish. And so there's no nothing noble about staying in your circumstance. And so yeah. when Jan said that on my show, that learned helplessness, it was already kind of a capstone on something he'd been dealing with in so yeah. much in me. And I feel like I still have a lot to learn about that. But yeah. I just think there are places that we all settle in, you know. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, you've talked about, and we've talked about what we need to do, but then you share in your book that I thought, man, this was really great too. You said that God revealed to you in when one of the battles you were facing said, you rest while I work, you feast while I fight, and you wait to take flight. And this became a strategy for you and was valuable in the process. Could you just share a little bit more about that? Because that was just another thing that really stuck out as I, as I read through your book. Yeah, you know, again, in that in that stretch of, of battle, there's times where the heavens just seem silent and hey, give me bread comes and I'm like, you gotta give me something here. This is this thing's killing me, you know. Yeah. And uh one day he he brought that strategy and brought it with such clarity. And you know, I really I believe that there's a strategy for all of us and it looks different on all of us. For some today, your strategy might be to rest, to take a nap. Do you know get you know how often in scripture did God tell someone, take a nap and eat something? Yeah. <laughs> then we'll talk later. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's battle strategy right there. Others it's run to the battle line, others it's yeah. take up arms, others it's call warriors. So for me, these three things were just key. So rest while I work. He brought me to Psalm uh, 46 uh, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. And we often hear that uh, verse in, the, in a quiet, peaceful song or in a serene scene, you know. But if you read the whole chapter, he's, the, the nations are, you know, trembling. The waves are, you know, I mean, the, the waves are roaring. And so over the thunder, over the waves, over the chaos, um, he says, be still. And know hmm. that I am God. And so I did a little study on that because I, I felt like my life was that storm, you know, yeah. and be still means to let go, sink down, relax, and be quiet. Hmm. So if you think about it, the, in the places of soul unrest, 
when you want to strive, when you want to force an outcome because God's not moving fast enough, wherever there's soul unrest, that's a place where he invites you to let go, sink down into his love, even relax if you can. That's an act of faith. And in some cases, be quiet. In other words, if your own words are testifying against the promises of God, if you've been so long in the waiting or so long in the battle that your own words are bearing false witness against what God has already promised you is true, maybe it's time to be quiet. So that's mm. the be still part. And then, and know that I am God, that word know means to experience him, to intimately experience him, where it becomes more than head knowledge, becomes something like I've encountered God here. So maybe you have soul unrest in your finances or your health or relationships. In those places, can you release it to God, sink down into his love, be quiet about it if you need to, and then say, Lord, let me encounter you as my provider, you as my defender, you as my deliverer. And don't rest until you do encounter him, because that that kind of rest is the best kind of warfare. It's not passivity. It's not just letting go, taking your hands off like, I don't care. There's an engagement involved in that. So to me, I say that rest is not only an act of faith, it's an act of war against mm -hmm. the enemy of our soul. So that's, that's one of the strategies. These were three that, that didn't always go in order. It's just like if I had soul unrest, that's where I needed to go was to be still. So, right. Yeah. So you rest while I work and I would watch God work on my behalf. You feast while I fight. So the enemy would taunt me going, you're not going to get out of this one. I'm going to finally take you out. Like I've been promising to you your whole life, you know, well, he brought me to Psalm 23. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. And well, how that translates, it's the King's table for Royal use by private invitation. I think that is so powerful. So <laughs> yes, it is. Here, isn't that amazing? You think of your battlefield and you think yeah. the enemy taunting you all day long, making his threats to you. And so that's when I would be like, talk to the hand, I'm eating. <laughs> I, would picture, I picture myself at this royal table feasting on the goodness of God. So you feast while I fight. It's like if I am taunted and I am being battered and he's trying to bait me into a battle that I don't have I don't have the will to fight, hmm. I go take communion. I mean, and, and depending on if those who are listening, where they're coming from denominationally, if you're right. crossing denominations here, this, this may mess with you a little bit. But for me, I took communion pretty much every day. I just needed to, or I just yeah. remembered the blood, remembered the bread. But I thought more than that. I mean, I would have community with people around the table because I think when you're in crisis, you want to isolate. So we would hmm. purpose to have people around our table and we would hear each other's stories and that, that communion of sorts, yeah. I would feast on the goodness of the Lord and go, while I'm doing this, God is fighting for me. That's and so great. there's just a time to nourish your soul. And you'll know when that time is when you're being baited into a battle, you just, you don't have the will to fight. Yeah. And then you wait to take flight is of course from Isaiah. And I just learned, you know, when you wait on the Lord, you'll rise up with new strength. It's a strength and a power you've not yet known before. There's new strength and new power for your battle. And when you again want to try to force an outcome, when you are um, tired of waiting for the breakthrough, lean in and wait on the Lord. I mean, really see yourself as waiting to catch wind because in due time, you will rise up with new strength. That is a certainty and it's a promise and you can count on it. So those were super helpful for me and I hope they're helpful for someone else. No, I'm sure it was, it was, it's been impactful to my life. And um, just as God spoke to you, I think this, the, the encouragement that God gave you that in that season, it, it gives hope, it gives insight to people that are in that season. And maybe it, it has been a season of silence and they're waiting to, to be encouraged that God spoke to you and you've been able to put that into practice in your everyday life. I think that is so valuable um, for all of us. 
Well, Susie, I've taken more of your time than I asked for already. So would you take, would you take just a few minutes and pray for the audience that the wisdom and insight and experience that you've shared, and um, as much as I've learned from you, that, that we will not, this will not just be head knowledge, things that, we, that we've read in your book and things that we've heard you say, but these are practical steps that we can put in our life to battle fear, to battle the enemy, and um, to engage in what God has called us to do all around this world. I'd be honored if it's okay with you, Aaron. I want to read a prophetic word that God gave me in the midst of this. It's not in the book. I just feel like it might be for someone today. Then I'll pray. Is that all right? Yeah, awesome. Listen to what I have to say, dear one. I'm about to breathe fresh life into your soul, and there'll be no missing it. You've waited a long time for your breakthrough, and that moment is almost upon you. I will send messengers one after another to confirm my word to you. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Dare to take the risks I put before you. Trust me with every step. You don't have to keep yourself. I am your keeper. It brings my heart great joy to unleash you into this next season of your calling. I will silence your accusers and bless those who've been kind to you. Your test was also their test. Take time to reflect on my goodness. I am forever for you. The battle on the earth is about to amp up. You will need to keep your armor on at all times. Don't take things personally. Stay fierce in battle and focus on the mission I've set before you. Quit wondering if I have a plan and start preparing for it instead. Wait with expectancy for I will surely come for you. I love you, my child. Amen. 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 Father, we just uh, come before you. We honor you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Lord Jesus, we thank you that the enemy is on a short leash, that he is a liar. That is his native tongue. You are the Prince of Peace and you speak peace to your people, even in the storm. So I pray, God, that for my friend watching today or listening today, that is in the storm, that they would be at peace and they would know that you are God and they would hear your voice, uh, your still small voice thundering over the chaos, over the storm. I pray for all of those listening who have bodies that need healing. Would you miraculously, supernaturally touch them right now? Heal them of chronic illness, of sickness, of chronic sadness or anger and depression and anxiety. Deliver them, I pray, in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would help us all to rise up with a sense that there is a future and a hope. Lord, there's a better day coming for us. And until then, we will march upward and onward with faith in our hearts and courage in our steps and help us to be conduits of healing to everyone we meet. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.